But looking back on it now, I can see over the two years we were together that I slowly but surely stopped focusing on myself and putting so much of my attention into him because he was going through, he'd come out of a 30-year marriage and um, he was still kind of processing all that and, you know, figuring out his relationship with his kids and um, his career had taken a shift. You know, he had a lot of things going on that he needed support on and I thought, oh, I'm the perfect person to be, be your backbone because my life is together. This is episode number 496, Live Coaching with Sally, How to Stop Losing Yourself in a Relationship. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you want support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. It has 30 chapters, and each chapter has a tip, story, exercises, all designed to help you step more fully into your value. And you can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip from the book is step number 26, learn how to delegate. I pretty much sucked at delegation most of my life. I was brought up to believe we could do it all ourselves. And I think this is for all you super competent people out there who can do it all it's still important to find people to do things for you that are not the best use of your time. And whether that's helping you clean your home or do some of the work that you're doing that might be able to be managed by somebody at a lower cost, it will help you to feel more efficient, to stay in your zone of genius instead of thinking you have to be the be all and the end all. So my challenge to you this week is find one little place where you can delegate and just see how you can lighten the load. And before I bring Sally on, I invite you to join our Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And uh, we have amazing women in that group who are all on the journey to go on their last first date. We are managed by me and seven incredible moderators who keep this group safe and sane. So if you're a woman over 40, even a little under 40 and above, and you are interested in personal growth and, and to learn how to do relationships better, join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Sally. Sally wrote, I am not currently dating as I can't figure out how to balance all I have going on with work and home and my son. But in my past relationships, my issue was losing myself, even though I'm independent and happy and I have a lot going for me. I focus so much on the other person and I am anxiously attached even when I feel great alone. I've often chosen men that need me to support them emotionally or financially or they don't love all of me or fully accept me. They want all the good step stuff and I get parts of them. Hey, Sally, welcome to the show. Hi, Sandy. Thanks for having me. This topic of losing yourself in a relationship is so common. And that's why I chose you to come on the show, because I think a lot of people are going to relate to your experience and it will help not only you, but will help them as well. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit, maybe 
one relationship where you lost yourself. Paint a picture for us and how that happened and what happened. Um, well, I would, I guess, use the example of my most recent relationship, which ended um, a little over a year ago. And when I met him, I was really at a great point in my life. My career was going great for me. My son was doing great. Um, you know, I was working out. I was eating right. I was managing my household well. And um, I met this person and didn't expect it to turn into a full-blown relationship. And when it did, it was surprising and exciting and... Um, it took my level of happy to a whole new level. But looking back on it now, I can see over the two years we were together that I slowly but surely stopped focusing on myself and putting so much of my attention into him because he was going through, he'd come out of a 30-year marriage and... Um, he was still kind of processing all that and, you know, figuring out his relationship with his kids and um, his career had taken a shift. You know, he had a lot of things going on that he needed support on. And I thought, oh, I'm the perfect person to be be your backbone because my life is together right now. <laughs> and um, so then I just started being almost like a, a therapist, a best friend, uh, but always kind of putting any attention I had, any anything, any free time um, to try to be supportive and helpful to him. And eventually I see that I took away from myself then. I would stop doing a bunch of things that I would normally do to spend time with him. Part of it was just because I wanted to be with him and spend my time with him. Um, he also spent time with my child and I, which was great. Um, but slowly but surely, I kind of lost my sense of self, I think. And I was so tied into the idea of this being it forever and um, kind of almost doing whatever you needed to do to make that a reality. So whether that would be like, I'd be exhausted, but I'd be like cooking dinner all night long and, okay, let's watch a movie or let's go out, even though I didn't really feel like doing that because I was exhausted myself and working, you know, so many hours and taking care of my son and um, and I was so tired, you know, and I didn't realize it until the whole thing was over and it's taken me, you know, a year or so to get through it, processing the end of it and looking back on it, you know, trying to learn from the relationship, I can see how I've done that and how it's a pattern in all of my relationships in the past. And I tend to be attracted to and attract people that need something that I, I feel, oh, I got that one. I have a file for that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, so I totally understand this pattern. Um, so if I could just kind of recap, you were together when you met this guy and you attracted this man who began to need you more and more and you started to give up more and more of your own life. You became the therapist, the best friend, and it exhausted you. Yes. So... Um, and you say this is a common pattern. So let's go back to the earliest memory of this. And I'm not even talking about your romantic relationships. I'm talking about you as a girl, a little girl. Mm -hmm. When's the first time you can remember feeling like you were losing yourself to support somebody else? 
I would have to say that it's probably some of my first memories. Um, I had a mother that was an alcoholic and um, had a lot of emotional problems and didn't necessarily want a child. So I ended up always trying to, you know, make her happy and be perfect and, you know, get the good grades and be, you know, perfectly behaved all the time. And what, what do you need me to do? Can I do this? Can I do that? And no matter what, whatever I did as a kid, it was um, never going to be enough um, for my mom. So I think that would be where it started. And I remember that. I mean, my parents got divorced when I was five, and I remember that while they were still together. So it's a very early memory, that feeling of, you know, trying, trying, trying to be loved and approved and um, save my mother, really, you know. I could even have examples with my dad, too. It was a little different with him, but um, my mom is, like I think, the strongest example of that. Wow. And so did you live with your mom when your parents divorced? I did um, up until I turned 10, and then I moved back in with my dad because my mom wasn't really capable of having a child. And with her, I was often sent away, you know, places to my grandparents or neighbors or things like that because um, she wasn't able to really do it. So I was kind of on my own a lot. In the time you were very little. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go back to that, that little Sally. Okay. And what is she like, three? Four, yeah, like four. What? I would say like four or five because, yeah, it was like right right around before they ended that I really remember being like that, oh, I have to save everything, you know, mm-hmm. that desperation. Right. So, and were you aware of your parents fighting when you were, like before the divorce, was there a lot of like kind of screaming and yelling in the house? Yeah, there was. And they were, they were not happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the effect on you, because it sounds like you spent so much of your emotional energy trying to fix your mom and make it better and make her accept you. What was going on if you can try and put yourself into that little girl self, into little Sally? Mm-hmm. Um, what what was the primary emotion? Like, what were you feeling? Mm. The first thing that came up when you started to ask the question was like fear. I think I was afraid. I was afraid of losing her, losing them, uh, not knowing where I would end up, you know, because I knew nobody really wanted me. So it was like I just felt too much, like I was too much for everyone. Um, And I felt like I wasn't good enough. So I just remember feeling really afraid about what would be next. You know, what would be next for me and where would I go and would anyone ever love me? I think I was like so afraid that I would be unloved and left, just left, you know. Well, that's a really, that's a lot for a little girl to handle. Yeah, definitely. One of the primary things that we need as children is sense of safety and security and, and to feel loved no matter what. And you didn't have any of those things. No. And so what's what happened was you then chose partners who echoed the same character traits, who couldn't be there for you. And so you overperformed and overdid. Mm-hmm. And 
I know this may sound shocking, but um, your five-year-old is the one who's choosing your romantic partners. <laughs> well, it's time for her to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time. No, so it's time for her to give herself the parenting she didn't have. Right. Because she doesn't, she doesn't have the capacity to, to, to have all that love inside her to be able to have a mature place to choose a partner from yet. Mm -hmm. So the, the solution, one of the solutions to this is to reparent that little Sally and to give her what she didn't have instead of expecting it from men who are just like your mom in the end. I mean, different, but, yeah, but in the same degrees, way, but, yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same pattern. It's I'm going to choose people who really are kind of a mess. Like this guy just got out of a marriage, right? So he, he didn't have his life together. And the fixer in you, who's going to show him that I will show up and make a place in your life that will make me so lovable that you'll have to take me in kind of thing. Like, please pick me. <laughs> right, right. And so imagine the guy that your mature Sally would pick. Like, what would what would he be like? Hmm. Well, I think that he would be someone that has done some work on himself. You know, he'd be evolved that way, um, you know, emotionally, um, he'd be grounded, um, ha have a decent job at least, um, and be someone who, I guess, that I could lean on, but there wasn't like a price. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, um, because I feel like, you know, like this, the last relationship, he was a very generous and giving person, but I, I always had a feeling like this person was doing me a favor. And um, I guess I would imagine like a, an adult picking relationship where the person would um, meet me where I am and um, freely give if they were going to give. And... Um, love that you know love to be sharing and giving and um loving and accepting um of all of the parts not not just the good stuff yeah so when you say all of the parts what does that include like the parts when my career isn't going perfectly or i'm having you know my son is having a tough time, you know, and he's 12 in his life, you know, where he's not smooth sailing. Um, or, I, you know, there's so much going on that I can't balance it uh, for myself that um, this person would be able to be there. And even if they couldn't physically be there, to be supportive and empathetic and, um, you know, love the messy parts just as much as they love the awesome me, <laughs> which is there as well. You know, that's what you get most of the time. So, well, so yeah, so they get most of the time and I'm wondering how long it takes for the messy parts to show up. 
Yeah, I don't, I feel like I have also issues with boundaries. So I think messy can show up pretty quickly for me. Like I'm not someone who hides things. I'm I, a little bit of me is like, hey, here I am. Take it or leave it. You know, it's like I'm a New Yorker that like just kind of comes out of me, and I'm just like, yep, this is me. No makeup. You know, I I'm I'm gross today. Like, so how do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, so I think that. Um, I'm a really authentic person to to a fault almost. So I think the messiness kind of just pretty shows up pretty quick. <laughs> so if it's showing up quickly, then they're accepting you for the messiness and and the good stuff, right? It, it, they are yeah. seeing all of it. Mm-hmm. My question is, you know, it's one thing to share, like, here's what I look like on a messy day, but what about when you need support? How hard is it for you to ask for that? It used to be really hard. I I had a like a perfectionistic thing like that. I can do everything by myself, for myself. I don't need anybody. And, you know, I've had a lot of therapy in my life and lots of, uh, you know, workshops and personal growth work on myself. And so, you know, in particular in that last relationship I was in, I really tried to be more of a... A partner who considered the other person's feelings and uh, like offered the opportunity to be a part of things rather than just being like, nope, this is how it is, you know, which is a, a bit how I used to be. So um, I don't know. I feel more collaborative and more um, able to ask for help. But then I think that if I get a no, I don't like that. I don't like how that feels. <laughs> And I might not be super nice about that. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I'm curious how this imbalance happened. If you were comfortable asking for help and you were vulnerable and you're showing him the messy side, something changed because I'm, I'm picturing a seesaw where you're up on top and he's at the bottom and like you're, you, you know, he's, you can't move the seesaw anymore because it's so out of balance. So what happened? What what changed? What what got lost in the in, in you know in this relationship? I think there's a couple of things going on. Um, you know, he didn't really want to be in a relationship. Um, I and I didn't anticipate that we would end up in a relationship either. I just thought, I mean, it was someone who I had known, so I just kind of thought we would hang out and you know have a good time, go see some concerts, like whatever, just someone to go on some dates with. And then it sort of rapidly turned into so much more. And um, I read about trauma bonding. I think maybe there was some of that going on. And uh, and then for me, I felt almost like desperate to make this work, to, to be like, oh my gosh, this is my person. And then my anxious attachment was really like kicked into high gear and I, I needed constant affirmation. You know, um, I think my kind of cool laid back self kind of went a bit away and I became more like, let's do this. No, let's get together every day. I mean, not really. That's an exaggeration. But, you know, like it was it was never going to be enough for me, you know. And I think oh, that was a, a yeah. pressure that he was not ready for, not able to handle. He also, ha his children are grown, and he didn't want to raise 
uh, another child, and he let me know that pretty early on. But all of the times he was around my son, he was incredible to him and with him. And I'm thinking like, oh, like you're a natural and, you know, let's see how you feel in a year. You know, things are great when we're all together. But he was incredibly uncomfortable with it. Um, but he wouldn't say that while he was in it. He would like go home and then like beat himself up about it kind of a situation. And I think that was just all eroding the um, groundwork of the relationship, you know, little by little. No, well, the ground was not stable, and yes. it started out unstable, and then when it rapidly becomes more, it feels like a relationship, and so it feels it feels like it's meeting some of your needs, which it did, and there were some big red flags that came up right away. He was yeah. honest with you about a few things but his actions and his words didn't always align, it sounds like. Yeah, 100%. So when you want to believe something really badly and you want to, you know, you're seeing evidence, he likes my son, he's good with my son, then maybe what he's saying isn't true. And maybe if we, if we do this long enough, if I am the right person, if I am enough, then he's going to change his mind. Is that is that what went through your yeah, head? Yeah, I think for sure, because the the actions were so, I mean, I'd never experienced love like that from anyone in, in, in all the many ways. It wasn't just with like gifts, it was like the thoughtfulness and the effort. And even like if he was traveling, he'd always get something from my son. You know what I mean? It was just like so like like the appearance of someone who's all in, you know, but really he was always like half out, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> how soon after his, was his divorce final or he was going through a divorce or what was he, going on? He got the paperwork uh, maybe six weeks into us dating. So they, mm -hmm. he had filed it before we met. Um, and then the paperwork came like six weeks into us being together. Mm-hmm. So he had said, I'm not ready for a relationship. I'm just getting out of this. Mm -hmm. Is that what he said to you? Yeah. And you said, well, we'll date anyway. We'll just hang out. Or the, well, or he said it after like six weeks when I think when it was like, oh, he, I, he, he was like I, like, I really like her. And I was like, oh, and I really like him. We're both like, what is happening here? <laughs> you know? And he's like, I got to be honest with you. Like, I can't do this. Like, it's too much for me. And we tried breaking up, you know, but then we were both so miserable not being together. So there's the trauma bond coming yeah. back. Yeah, for sure. And so what are you what are your big takeaways from this relationship? Like what are some of the life lessons or love lessons that you learned? Well, I mean, I don't know if this is a love lesson, but um I certainly feel that this relationship was very healing for me. Um with like, you know, you got a little taste of what my childhood was like. And I think that being in this kind of a loving relationship that was uh, consistent, even even in its inconsistency, uh, was really, um, you know, it, it had the, that effect of like almost like mothering yourself, but it was like this other person, like just really showing up all the time in so many ways. And um and it was just very, it was very healing for me. Um, but I think like the love lessons would be, you know, listen to what people tell you, you know, because it does, it doesn't matter how into each other we were, if that's his truth, that's his truth. Um, and 
you know, maybe it would have been better to let it go. And if we found each other again down the road, great, you know, but but then it wouldn't have been so dramatic and traumatic, you know. Um, and I think you can't make someone be where they're not, you know. Um, and, you know, pouring your whole self into someone is not going to... Uh, give you what you want, maybe temporarily, but, um, you know, you, you might get a few more good moments out of it, but, you know, in the long run, it makes it hurt twice as much, I think. Yeah. Well, so those are a lot of great lessons. And, (laughs) um, and so again, when some of your needs are being met, like you felt mothered, loved, he showed up, he was loving, he was consistent in his inconsistencies and um, and it was that that unpredictability of your childhood that was being met. I mean, that that's what feels like love is like, I have to earn it. I have to I have to make it work. And on the other hand, um, he told you and you didn't hear or yeah. you didn't choose to hear. And so it is really, people do tell you who they are right away, like right away. The first conversation, listen really carefully because it doesn't matter how great somebody is. If they have a red flag and I don't care what it is, it's, it's going to make the relationship not work. It's like those deal breakers are deal breakers for a reason. And mm-hmm. so the most heartbreaking relationships are with people who have some of the qualities that you've been looking for and you feel great with them and it's sexy and it's, it's got all the good feels, but it also makes you feel unstable and un, unhappy in the end because you started to get more anxious and you started to need more and more and more that he couldn't give you. And so in a stable relationship, you don't get clingy. You don't get needy because your needs are met and you feel safe with this safe container of somebody who is actually in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. So if you were to take away the the deal breakers that you're going to look out for and the must-haves you're going to look out for, um, let's get let's get some clarity around that so that you don't lose yourself in the next relationship. So let's talk about some of the must-haves. You did paint your your mature self <laughs> ideal <laughs> relationship where she's doing the picking, not the uh, not your five-year-old um, who's looking for a mommy and a daddy and somebody who's going to parent her. But you mentioned done the inner work, somebody who's grounded, has a decent job, I would say, but, you know, go for what you really want. Maybe not just decent, but has okay, a really good a major job would be incredible, <laughs> right? <laughs> a long-term consistent major job. Okay. <laughs> and, um, he said, uh, somebody you can lean on without a price. And so somebody who gives not to get somebody who gives from their heart, generous, freely, uh, where there's an even exchange of love and giving and taking. Like it's not that nobody's taking a tally of how much anybody is giving or taking and nobody feels put upon or depleted with the other. Is that is that pretty yeah, accurate? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that list? Well, I mean, it's got to be someone who's really 
into my son, I think, because my son is the center of my universe and we don't have any family anywhere. So mm. um, it's just my son and I. So whoever would come into our life um, kind of needs to be on board for that. Not kind of, but definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where the boundaries come in. You know, you name what is a must-have. You know, these are must-haves. These are really, these these all create safety, love, a safe container for you and your son because he comes along with the package. Somebody who says, I can't handle that. You seem amazing. I wish you well. Bye. right away (laughs) right because once you let someone into your heart you have a big heart and you want to give but giving as a doormat is not healthy giving giving somebody who deserves you what you give somebody who has earned what you give they have to earn it they can't just get it because you're you it's it's something that's earned i mean People are just get to have for it. me. Yeah, that's confusing for me about that that part. Like, you yeah. know, how how because I do think I am a pretty free giver of love and whatever, anything I have, really, but I think that's hard for me to understand that part, the earning it. Like how does that work? Yeah. So somebody who wants to be in your life, um, you mentioned consistency. You mentioned um, somebody who shows up, somebody who, let's say, somebody who says, yeah, I'm I'm totally open to being in a relationship with somebody with a 12-year-old. Not a problem for me. Okay, he's earned one point for that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> somebody who's got a great job, he's earned a point. Um, somebody who means what they say and says what they mean, earned another point. It's oh, like, yeah. these got are it. all ways we measure whether somebody is worthy of being in your life. So let's say you're the CEO of your life, right? You get to figure out who to hire and fire. And when you hire a new guy, he has to pass through a bunch of interviews. Like if you Mm. were a big company, there would be like four or five interviews. They'd have to show you in many ways how they are going to be as an employee, Right. Right. I mean, I've seen my daughter went through four or five interviews for her job. My son-in-law just went through. He had to prove himself by not just telling them, but by telling them again and by answering different questions and then by showing them because he actually spent a day at work and then he showed them how he would show up at work. This is how we measure people. We don't just say, okay, well, he's good looking and I feel excited by his presence. So I'm going to open up my entire life to this man. Right, right. Right. He hasn't, he hasn't passed through the interview process yet. So I that's, like that. it's, yeah. So it's, <laughs> that's helpful. There's like okay, the visual checklist is very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's like you're opening up your body, your heart, your mind, your soul, your purse. I mean, you're opening everything to a stranger. Yeah. And unless he has shown up to pass through the gates that open your heart, not that you come in with a closed heart and you're, you're, you know, you're shielded and armored up, but you have boundaries to protect what's precious to you. Right. When you don't protect what's precious to you, it's like in this very weak shell and then it can be broken mm-hmm. and we don't want it to keep getting broken. Right. 
So you don't make a five course meal for a man you just met, right? <laughs> you don't get theater Guilty. tickets. <laughs> you have had clients who've done this and then their heart is broken because the guy is not ready to commit. Yeah. And, you know, people, you, you get to know people over time. We don't know who a person is in a, a week, in two weeks. You know, I was sharing a dating story with you before, and the first date was really fun and great. And the second date, I started having certain doubts. And then I Googled him and had more doubts. And then I decided <laughs> not to see him because I know what my values are. I know that I can't be with somebody who had certain traits that he has. And even though he was good looking and he's, you know, he, he was a great listener. He had a lot of the qualities that I don't find every day in a man. Mm -hmm. I still knew that in the long term we were not at all aligned. And okay. it's easier to make that choice after two dates than after six dates and after six months, because now you've invested and they call that a sunk cost. We already have invested time, energy, your body, your soul. It's, it's your son got to know him. Now it's harder to disentangle. Yeah. Yeah. So the vetting process is the most important process. And I think especially for you, because you have anxious attachment and you have all of these trauma bonding tendencies, you want to protect your heart a little more so that, you know, and you can let men know, listen, you know, I, I, I would love to have you over. I would love to cook a meal for you, but in the past that hasn't worked out well for me. So I, you know, that's something I would do once we're in a relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. And so getting used to saying things like that, like I remember a guy invited me over for dinner after a couple of dates and I wasn't ready to go to his house. And I said that to him, I said, there's a part of me that would love to come over to your apartment right now, but I know that's not going to be good for me. And yeah. so for now, let's continue to meet in public places. Does that work mm -hmm. for you? Mm -hmm. That's a boundary. Yeah, for sure. Right. So the boundaries protect the things that are precious to you mm -hmm. and the things that are precious to you, your heart, your soul, your body, your mind, you know, your, mm -hmm. your loving, you know, you, you have such a loving, giving heart and love has limits, you know, like your son, you discipline him because you love him. Yeah right? You wouldn't just let him have everything all the time without limits because that's not love. That's right. right? So if you can do it with him, you can do it with men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see like this, this is a, it's a vetting process. And so uh -huh. we're going to have you be the CEO of your love life and you're going to have boundaries around the things that are important to you. And that's how you find out if he has really done the inner work. If he, you know, people say, oh, I went to a Tony Robbins conference and I did, I read a Ram Dass book and I'm really enlightened. And I've met men who have done a lot of inner work and I've met them and they were really wacky. <laughs> <laughs> There was the tree hugger who came and he got out of his car and he found a tree in the hotel lobby and he went to hug it. And I was like, oh, interesting. Oh, wow. <laughs> he has done some inner work. He leads yes. a men's prop program. And, but I was really freaked out. 
by his level of inner work or the way he interpreted inner work. So, you know, it's, we all have different ways of interpreting our values and somebody can say something. Groundedness is something you see over time. Consistent job. That's probably easier to see. Um, Mm -hmm. Somebody you can lean on. Sometimes people let you lean on them to a point. And then when you have a real problem, they're nowhere to be found. So that's why it it takes like a year to really know somebody through the good and the bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you think about your friendships, do you have friends who are the ones who just show up when everything's good? And do you have friends who show up when you have a crisis? For sure. (laughs) Right. And so which are your really close friends? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The ones that are always there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want the ones who just show up when it's convenient for them. And anytime you really need them, they're not there. Yeah, for sure. So just imagine how much more you need that in a man. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, do some takeaways and then I'm going to give you some homework. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you taking away so far from what we talked about today? Um, I love the the visual, the mental place of being the CEO of your love life. That sounds really good for me. Um, Knowing what my, you know, kind of core values are and my um, deal breakers and sticking to those and um, kind of guarding my heart more and not giving everything away all at once unless the person has earned those points. And knowing that these things take time, really, to evolve and to really know um, and listening to what people tell you right away. Excellent. (laughs) You are an amazing client. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it's, it's, those are all so, so important. I think that, you know, it's like, take myself seriously. I'm going to take myself, my life, my love life much more seriously because I'm going to take a stand for those things that I really need. And I'm not going to be, you know, too flexible in those areas because that's, what's gotten you into trouble when you overlook and where you start to just dismiss your needs for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it makes perfect sense that you have because of your background and your upbringing. And the fact that you can open your heart and love is testament to who you are as a person, to your resilience and your ability to grow and to do the inner work, which really is commendable. Thanks, Sandy. So in that vein, I want you to do one more. So here's, here's your homework. And we okay. want you to keep that list of your must-haves and deal breakers handy. Put them somewhere where you can see them all the time. And um, do go out and date. I know it's hard to find the time, but the only way to practice this is to actually get out and do it. Mm-hmm. So I want to challenge you to start going on some dates and really pay attention to who people show up to be. And, and even let men know, hey, you know what? This is something that's important to me. I'm just curious how you feel about this. So put it out there from the beginning, you know, I'm really looking for a stand-up guy who is okay with my 12-year-old son. How do you feel about, how do you feel about that? You know, and then just look at their response and then get curious. You know, I'm just curious why you say that. 
So don't let, don't let a no be the end of a conversation, actually get curious and find out more, find out their why. And mm -hmm. sometimes people's why is not very strong. Like, oh, well, I didn't, you know, I don't think I have the capacity to do that. Well, what do you think that involves? You know, I, I, I had a guest on my show a long time ago who made a connection on match.com and the guy decided not to go on a date with her. And she said, well, what happened? I thought we had such a great connection. He said, well, you're an extrovert and I'm an introvert. I don't see how that's going to work. And she goes, well, how come? What do you think is going to happen? And he went through a whole list of, well, I'm going to need some quiet time. She goes, well, just tell me, I'll give it to you. What else do you think is going to happen? <laughs> and they went through this whole thing and then they ended up getting married. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but because she got curious, it all came out like, here are my fears. And here's, if that happens, this will happen, you know? And so that's, that's also an important piece of the, don't just have a no shut you down, get curious and open. Mm -hmm. um, know that somebody does have to earn those points to get into your heart. So think of it like the interview process. And the last piece of this is to reparent little Sally. And if you can find a picture of you, young you, five years old or around that time, and just keep telling her every day, you were doing the best you could. You, you know, you are lovable just for who you are. Whatever words of affirmation you didn't get as a child, you are safe. You are kind. You don't have to prove yourself. You are enough. All those messages to little Sally to help her start to blend in with the mature Sally and have mature Sally pick your pick your partners from now on. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so will you will you do all those things? Definitely. It's funny that you say that because I don't even know. I think my the last boyfriend found a a, a kid picture of me and he put it on my refrigerator and it's been on my refrigerator ever since. And it's like the sweetest little picture, but I, like I look at it and I, I just, I see the sadness in my eyes, but it's, a, it is a really cute picture. So, um, it's just there. Like it's the only, it's the only kid picture I have around of me, but, um, I like that idea. I'll try it for sure. Well, it's a perfect place for it because you need to feed her. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. And she is sad. I mean, you know, there there is a sadness there because she didn't get what she needed. And so it's it's up to us to be the parent that we didn't have because our parents often are really incapable of being parents, unfortunately. And we we get to be born into those families but we get it. We get to do better in our adult lives, and you obviously have the wherewithal to want this little Sally to be whole and healthy and have the relationships that she deserves. Yeah, for sure. So, will you get back to me and let me know how it goes, like in a week or two, and just kind of uh, do the homework, see how you know, just kind of give me a check in so I can see how it's going. Definitely, definitely. Perfect. Well, thank you, Sally, for opening yourself up to being coached on the podcast and and helping other people who struggle with similar issues to really heal because there is so much that is possible with, with the right kind of healing. 
Definitely. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it so much. Uh, my pleasure. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you love our show, please rate, review, send it to a friend. Um, every five-star review and rating helps us to continue to grow. And we hope you go on your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.